It's February 17th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and we're going to begin our reading today out of the New Living Translation in Leviticus chapters 4 and 5. And we're going to finish reading about uh, the initial five offerings uh, in the book of Leviticus. Uh, Right now, reading about the sin offering. First two offerings uh, they could give out of worship. Opportunity and obligation. These final three offerings we're reading about uh, are offerings that uh, were required uh, because to live in the presence of a holy God meant you had to take care of sin. And this was uh, God's way of taking care of sin. And it points forward to the day in which sin would finally and totally be taken care of in the sacrifice of Christ Jesus, which is actually better than any of these offerings. Uh, And yet they are shadows or types that would point towards the the great offering. So chapter 4, verse 1 of Leviticus. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. This is how you are to deal with those who sin unintentionally by doing anything that violates one of the Lord's commands. If the high priest sins, bringing guilt upon the entire community, he must give a sin offering for the sin he has committed. He must present to the Lord a young bull with no defects. He must bring the bull to the Lord at the entrance of the tabernacle. Lay his hand on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain of the sanctuary. The priest will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for the fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. He will pour out the rest of the bull's blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then the priest must remove all the fat of the bull to be offered as a sin offering. This includes all the fat around the internal organs, the two kidneys, and the fat around them near the loins and the long lobe of the liver. He must remove these along with the kidneys just as he does with cattle offered as a peace offering and burn them on the altar of burnt offerings. But he must take whatever is left of the bull, its hide, meat, head, legs, internal organs, and dung, and carry it away to a place outside the camp that is ceremonially clean, the place where the ashes are dumped. There on the ash heap, he will burn it on a wooden fire. If the Israelite community sins by violating one of the Lord's commands, but the people don't realize it, they are still guilty. While they become aware, when they become aware of their sin, excuse me, the people must bring a young bull as an offering for their sin and present it before the tabernacle. The elders of the community must lay their hands on the bull's head and slaughter it before the Lord. The high priest will then take some of the bull's blood into the tabernacle, dip his finger in the blood, and sprinkle it seven times before the Lord in front of the inner curtain. He will then put some of the blood on the horns of the altar for fragrant incense that stands in the Lord's presence inside the tabernacle. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar for burnt offerings at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then the priest must remove all the animal's fat and burn it on the altar, just as he does with the bull offered as a sin offering for the high priest. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. Then the priest must take what is left of the bull and carry it outside the camp and burn it there just as he has done with the sin offering for the high priest. This offering is for the sin of the entire congregation of Israel. If one of Israel's leaders sins by violating one of the commands of the Lord, his God, but doesn't realize it, he is still guilty. When he becomes aware of his sin, he must bring as his offering a male goat with no defects. He must lay his hand on the goat's head and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered before the Lord. This is an offering for his sin. 
Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must burn all the goat's fat on the altar just as he does with the peace offering. Through this process, the priest will purify the leader from his sin, making him right with the Lord, and he will be forgiven. If any of the common people sin by violating one of the Lord's commands, but they don't realize it, they are still guilty. When they become aware of their sin, they must bring as an offering for their sin a female goat with no defects. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove the goat's fat just as he does with the fat of the peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar and it will be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. If the people bring a sheep as their sin offering, it must be a female with no defects. They must lay a hand on the head of the sin offering and slaughter it at the place where the burnt offerings are slaughtered. Then the priest will dip his finger in the blood of the sin offering and put it on the horns of the altar for burnt offerings. He will pour out the rest of the blood at the base of the altar. Then he must remove all the sheep's fat, just as he does with the fat of a sheep presented as a peace offering. He will burn the fat on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. Through this process, the priest will purify the people from their sin, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. So what do we see here in chapter 4? We see that God takes sin seriously, and he still does. A lot of people um, view God as kind of like a grandfather in the sky, just kind of laughing at your sin. Oh, that's cute. Uh, you don't do that now, little Johnny. But no, it's, that's not God. God, we see here, takes it very serious. Why? Because he's life. He cannot be in the presence of sin. His holiness will not allow it. Sin is a very big problem, uh, which is why Jesus comes and lays down his life so that we as sinners might be in the presence of God. But it doesn't give us an excuse to sin. No sin is detestable. Sin leads to death. Uh, there's an act of repentance, and we see the importance of it here. Verse 1 of chapter 5 now. If you are called to testify about something you have seen or that you know about, it is sinful to refuse to testify and you will be punished for your sin. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that is ceremonially unclean, such as the carcass of an unclean animal. When you realize what you have done, you must admit your defilement and your guilt. This is true whether it is a wild animal, a domestic animal, or an animal that scurries along the ground. Or suppose you unknowingly touch something that makes a person unclean. When you realize what you have done, you must admit your guilt. Or suppose you make a foolish vow of any kind, whether its purpose is for good or for bad. When you realize its foolishness, you must admit your guilt. When you become aware of your guilt in any of these ways, you must confess your sin. Then you must bring to the Lord as penalty for your sin a female from the flock, either a sheep or a goat. This is a sin offering with which the priest will purify you from your sin, making you right with the Lord. But if you cannot afford to bring a sheep, you may bring to the Lord two turtle doves or two young pigeons as the penalty for your sin. One of the birds will be a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. You must bring them to the priest, who will present the first bird as the sin offering. He will wring its neck, but without severing its head from the body. Then he will sprinkle some of the blood of the sin offering against the sides of the altar, and the rest of the blood will be drained out at the base of the altar. This is an offering for sin. The priest will then prepare the second bird as a burnt offering following all the procedures that have been prescribed. Through this process, the priest will purify you from your sin and making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. If you cannot afford to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, you may bring two quarts of choice flour for your sin offering. Since it is an offering for your sin, you must not moisten it with olive oil or put any frankincense on it. Take the flour to the priest who will scoop out a handful as a representative portion. 
He will burn it on the altar on top of the special gifts presented to the Lord. It is an offering for sin. Through this process, the priest will purify those who are guilty of any of these sins, making them right with the Lord, and they will be forgiven. The rest of the flour will belong to the priest, just as with the grain offering. Then the Lord said to Moses, If one of you commits a sin unintentionally by defiling the Lord's sacred property, you must bring a guilt offering to the Lord. The offering must be your own ram with no defects, or you may buy one of equal value with silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. You must make restitution for the sacred property you have harmed by paying for the loss plus an additional 20%. When you give the payment to the priest, he will purify you with the ram sacrificed as a guilt offering, making you right with the Lord and you will be forgiven. Suppose you sin by violating one of the Lord's commands. Even if you are unaware of what you have done, you are guilty and you will be punished for your sin. For a guilt offering, you must bring to the priest your own ram with no defects or you may buy one of equal value. Through this process, the priest will purify you from unintentional sin, making you right with the Lord, and you will be forgiven. This is a guilt offering, for you have been guilty of an offense against the Lord. That concludes our Old Testament reading. Moving into the New Testament, Mark chapter 2, verse 13 through chapter 3, verse 6. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Once, when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus and asked, Why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? Jesus replied, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them, but someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went to the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, Hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. That concludes our New Testament reading. Moving into our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. 
Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon. A wise child brings joy to a father. A foolish child brings grief to a mother. Tainted wealth has no lasting value, but right living can save your life. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 36, verses 1 through 12, in a posture of prayer. This is the 36th Psalm. For the choir director, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, verse 1. Sin whispers to the wicked deep within their hearts. They have no fear of God at all. In their blind conceit, they cannot see how wicked they really are. Everything they say is crooked and deceitful. They refuse to act wisely or do good. They lie awake at night, hatching sinful plots. Their actions are never good. They make no attempt to turn from evil. Lord, thank you for saving me, because this was me. Um, Lord, I, I, had, I had no conviction in my heart to do what was godly. Uh, but because of your Holy Spirit and your saving grace through the gospel message of Jesus, I, I now have... Um, the, the will and the desire to repent. And I pray that you'd give me the power to continue to do so. Verse 5. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadows of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life the light by which we see. Yes, Lord, you are. You are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. And your unfailing love, Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Yes, Lord, I, I agree with this psalmist as he pours out his praise to you. Verse 10. Pour out your unfailing love on those who love you. Give justice to those with honest hearts. Don't let the proud trample me or the wicked push me around. Look, those who do evil have fallen, for they are thrown down never to rise again. Thank you, Lord, that you have defeated evil. And one day when Jesus returns, you will once and for all defeat evil, sin, death, and every evil desire that we have. We praise you and thank you. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading, and I hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.